Good morning, everyone. Just make sure I have all this ready to go. I'm Scott Taylor, um, pastor down in Stanford for a long time, and uh, recently I've moved to Trumbull. I'm enjoying your city here, this town. It's a fabulous place, very quiet compared to uh, Stanford. But I stand before you today with a very grateful heart. Um, and the reason that I'm grateful is you took good care of my mother-in-law, Eve Happis. Uh, Eve went home to be with the Lord in January of this year, and she loved this place. She loved you. You were a great church family for her. And uh, I just want to express my gratitude for all the years that you cared for her, and she loved being here. And I'm sure she's pleased today as we're gathered together. I also want to thank you for the impact you had upon my wife. My wife came to know the Lord at this church. And uh, her family, no one <clears throat> was a believer at that time. And in that old building, when she was in high school, uh, she came to know Jesus Christ. And as a result of her conversion, her whole family came to know the Lord. She's a poster child for youth work. <laughs> so keep up the good work of working with young people, and uh, you never know what happens when the Lord gets a hold of a person's life. I'd also like to speak to you as a pastor, uh, a retired pastor. When I was in the ministry, if I received an encouragement from someone, that was enough fuel to keep me going for an entire month. Literally, one comment would give me enough courage to go an entire month. And right now, it's tough to be in ministry. Barna is saying that 29% of pastors right now are planning to get out as soon as the storm's over. Uh, we need to encourage our pastors. And Pastor Pete didn't pay me or tell me to do this. Uh, what I'd like you to do today is go home and get your phone out and put on your calendar once a month to thank the pastors of this church. Now, I listed all their names as Pastor Pete, Jim, Brandon, Adri uh, Andrea, Dave, Christine, Leanne, Bernadette, Amy, and Tim. They're all on your staff here. It, it, it might be tough to do all of them in one day, but do one of them and just rotate and send them a note of encouragement. You know the word encouragement means to give courage. And when you give them a positive note and say, wow, I just appreciate this about you, they're gonna go. <laughs> they're gonna have enough fuel for another month. So I'm very serious, put that on your calendars. Become a church that supports and prays for their pastor. And finally, before we start today, I, I realized a long time ago, if you're here today and you hear my voice, that's okay. But you need to hear God's voice today. We sang about a miracle, and a miracle needs to happen this morning. Leighton Ford uh, is a great evangelist, and he did this, and it stuck with me for many, many years. He would have people pray at the beginning of a, a service, and he would say, would you all pray this prayer, Lord, speak to me. And, and that's what I'd ask you to do. Just take a moment right now, bow your head, 
and just say, Lord, speak to me this morning. Lord, we come before you with uh, hearts. Uh, many are, are joyful, but there's many that are troubled, and there's many without hope. And I would pray today as we go through uh, Psalm 33 that our hope would be reignited. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The story is told of a, a missionary who was uh, serving in a foreign country, and she was struggling financially, and one day she received a note from her parents, and in that letter was a $100 bill and a note of encouragement. And she started to read that, and she was looking out the window, and she saw a man at the corner, and he was dressed shabbily and leaning against the pole, looking very dejected. And her heart went out to that man, and she had compassion for him. So she thought to herself, you know, I can't keep this money. I have to give this money to this man. So she put the $100 bill in an envelope, and on the envelope she wrote, Don't despair. And she went to the window and she said, yo, man, 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 can you come over here? And he gave her a quizzical look, but he came over and she dropped the envelope to him and he saw, don't despair. And then he opened it up, saw the $100 bill, and he said, what's this? And she goes, I'll be praying, I'll be praying. And the man walked away. Well, the next morning when she woke up, there was a knock on her door. And there was the man, and he threw her a wad of money. And then she had the quizzical look, and she said, what's this? And the man said, well, don't despair, pay 25 to 1. (laughs) Here's the money that you have coming to you. Well, there are times when we despair in our, our lives, when our hope is diminished, our optimism tanks. To be honest with you, I've been at that place many times in my lifetime. Maybe you find yourself today lacking hope. You know, COVID hit us all really hard, and I think we're all just coming out of it and realizing everything that happened over the last 16 months. Some some of you lost loved ones, some of you lost your job. High school students lost a lot of uh, great opportunities, college students. There was a lot of loss during that period of time. And so it's easy for us to have lost hope during those those months. If I were to ask you right now, um, on a scale of zero to 10, with zero being you have no hope, and 10, you can move mountains with your faith, what number would you pick for yourself? Where would you put yourself today? This candle that I have up here, I'm going to say is a a candle of hope. And for many people, that candle right now is extinguished. And they're very low on hope. And the question before us is, how do we reignite that candle of hope? How does hope grow inside of us? How do we get the flame back? A biblical definition of hope is that hope is not wishy-washy, crossing the fingers, mysterious. Hope in the Bible 
is confidence in God. It's knowing that God's going to come through. It's knowing that God keeps his promises. That's what biblical hope is, and that's what we need. We need hope in a God that keeps his promises. The Bible has a lot to say about reigniting this candle. And what I'd like to do this morning as we begin this series on the psalm is look at Psalm 33. It's an anonymous song. No one knows exactly who wrote it, but most scholars believe it was David. And David knows about hopelessness. David had to run for his life many times. He had a sexual abuse in his family. He lost a child. David knows about storms. He knows about families breaking up. And so David most likely wrote this psalm to encourage us to reignite our hope, even in hopeless situations. So we're going to take a look at this psalm. There's three strategies here for reigniting hope. And then I'd like to end with some homework that I'm going to give you. I know it's summer, but I'm going to give you homework today so that you can reignite your candle of hope. The first strategy is this. Relying on God's word reignites hope. Read these verses with me. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. The word of God is right and true. You can always rely on God keeping his word. God's word, everything that he has taught, everything that he has promised, everything that he has instructed us to do is right and true. You can bank your life on it. You can bank your eternity on it. The question, whose word are you believing today? Whose word are you relying on today? The choice of your authority, the choice of where you place your faith in that word will determine whether you have hope or hopeless, whether you are joyful or miserable, whether you're making something of your life or wasting your life. There's many choices of where you can get your authority. You can get it from the news. You can turn your TV on. You can read a newspaper. You can read an opinion. And you can say, okay, I'm going to place my faith in that report. We all know that'd be foolish. Journalism is not truthful. You can also rely upon science. I like the word settled science. Well, we all know that settled science today can be different than settled science tomorrow. Eggs are good for you. Eggs are bad for you. What is it? (laughs) We had the food pyramid. They just turned the whole thing upside down. I wasted 25 years of my life following the wrong pyramid. (laughs) And you can trust politicians. I won't even go there. But you know what the ultimate source of truth is today? Me. It's self. We now determine what is true, what is right. David Brooks, 
the New York Times wrote a column commenting on a, a study done by Notre Dame where they interviewed 290 young people. And they asked these 290 young people to define a moral dilemma that they had faced, a time that they had to choose right or wrong. Two-thirds of them had no idea what that was. They didn't know what a moral dilemma was. They didn't know the difference between right and wrong. And when it came down to how do you make your decisions, you know what it was the foundation? How it makes me feel. So now, what has happened to our country, and we realize that this is going on, we have replaced the Ten Commandments with yummy and yucky. That is now the determinant of what is right and wrong. If I feel yucky about it, it's wrong. If I feel yummy about it, it's right. You will never find hope if yummy and yucky is your direction in life, what is right or wrong. For hope to grow, we must rely on someone who is infinitely wise, faithful, unconditionally loving, and has our best interest in mind. And the only person that has that, those characteristics, is God Almighty. Trust him to determine what is right and wrong. A further description of God's word is God's word is faithful. God's word will never fail us. Never. Joshua, at the end of his life, said, not one of the Lord's promises to the house of Israel failed. Not one of them. They all came true. God's word is also forceful. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, the starry host, by the breath of his mouth. He spoke and it came into being. Realize that all the stars in the universe were formed by one word from God. Do you know how many stars there are in the universe? If you go down to the beach at Fairfield Beach, and you look at all the grains of sand on Fairfield Beach, there are more stars than on Fairfield Beach. There are more stars than Fairfield and Sherwood Island and Stanford. In fact, there are more stars in the universe than all the grains of sand on all the beaches in the world. And God did that with one word. God's word is powerful. Trust his word. And finally, God's word is final. For he spoke it and it was done. When God's word speaks, it's the final authority. So whose word are you relying on today? A lot of people think that they don't need God's word. Yummy and yucky are enough for them to determine how to live their life. But what I like to do is a, a little experiment. And that is, I'd like you to close your eyes right now. Keep them closed just for a second. And on the count of three, I would like you to point to the north. One, two, three, point. Okay, now open your eyes. Look around. You'll see a lot of people not participating. Shame on you. <laughs> you can't be embarrassed if you didn't raise your hand. What do you notice? People are going in all different directions. How would we determine what true north is? Compass. I just happen to have a compass with me this morning. And true north is 
that way. So if you pointed that way, you got it. If you pointed another direction, you didn't get it right. Are you willing to bank your hope, your life, your eternity on how you feel about your direction in life? There's a lot at stake here. God speaks through his word. Many years ago, I was in a hopeless situation. I was pretty sure I was going to get fired from my church, which is not good for pastors. <laughs> and uh, Kathy and I got down on our knees. We were going into an annual meeting, and we said, Lord, whatever you want, we'll, we'll just trust you. And <clears throat> we went into that meeting, and they didn't fire me. It was good news. But I realized I was in a difficult situation. And so the next day was uh, June 13th. I went into my office and I said, Lord, here I am. I'm a pastor of a church that's divided. There's people that don't like me here. What do you want me to do? I'm willing to move. I'm willing to stay. Lord, you need to show me what you want me to do. And I got my Bible out, and that day, I always read through the Bible, and that day I was in Psalm 27, and Psalm 27, 14, I, I was reading it, and I realized God used that verse. He spoke to me with that verse. And it wasn't an audible voice, but it was like, Scott, this is the verse I have for you, for today, for, you, for what you just asked me. Wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart, and wait for the Lord. And I realized God wanted me to wait, not do anything. 30 minutes later, my phone rings. Elderly woman named Ruby Canning said, Pastor, in my quiet time today, God spoke to me, and he told me to call you and tell you your verse for today is Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. She never called me after that. No one ever did that. You realize there's 31,102 verses in the Bible. And she picked that verse out. No, God picked that verse out. Tell me how my hope grew from the beginning of that day till 9.30 after I hung up with Ruby. It went from zero to 10. Why? Because the word of God is right and true. We need to be in God's word if you want your hope to reignite in your life. Let's go on to the second strategy. <clears throat> Trusting in God's will reignites hope. Read with me. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Notice the contrast there. There's our plans and purposes, and then there's God's plans and purposes. Who do you think you should go with? Which, which set of plans and purposes do you think is going to reignite hope in your life? Well, going with God's plans and purposes, submitting to his will is the way to reignite hope. 
Another word that we could use for God's plans and purposes here is sovereignty. Sovereignty simply means that God's in control. He's controlling everything because he created everything. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the most high and all the armies of heaven obey his commands. To say that God is sovereign is to declare that he is the almighty and that all of history is moving to his goals, his purpose. And guess what? I read the last chapter. Who wins this thing? He does. He wins. And because he wins, we win. Get on his team. Allow his plans and purposes to come through your life and you'll be headed in the right direction. His purposes can never be thwarted. They stand firm forever. There is never an event that happens in our lives that takes God by surprise. COVID did not take God by surprise. But our God is so powerful. He is so wise that he could take something that's terrible and make it end up good. But we need to trust him. Now, I am one that struggles with that. I hope your view of pastors doesn't go so low today, as I share honestly. But I struggle at times with trusting God's will. In fact, when I was a, a young man, I was like optimistic and hopeful. And over the years, more cynicism started coming into my life. One time we were watching uh, the movie Finding Christopher Robin. And Eeyore started speaking. And my wife teasingly said, boy, that sounds like you. <laughs> I had become Eeyore, and she was right. Things would happen, I'd say, oh, no. Oh, no. Not again. I can't believe this is happening to me. What does God have against me? Oh, no. And this cynicism started taking over my life. And after that comment, I realized, Lord, I need to work on this. And so I said, God, would you help me to change my oh, no to an oh, my? See, oh, no is what am I going to do in this situation? Oh, my is, God, what are you going to do? God, create the wonder and the awe that you're in control of all this. Lord, help me to trust you. And over the years, God's helped me to put that oh my into my life. I still revert to oh no at times. <laughs> and if I do in front of you, say Eeyore. <laughs> but oh my says, I can't wait to see what God's going to do next. If we're going to have our hope reignited, we need to say, God, I'm trusting in your will. I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to trust completely in what you're doing and your sovereignty and your control. Henry Nouwen, <clears throat> at the end of his life, wrote a book called Sabbath Journeys, and in it he relates the stories of uh, some trapeze artists that he became friends with. The Flying Rodellas. And Nowen learned a very special relationship between this the flyer and this the catcher. 
And when you're a trapeze artist, if you're thinking about switching careers, uh, <coughs> the flyer never tries to catch the catcher. It's the catcher's responsibility to catch the flyer. And so when you let go, you're just supposed to fly. Just fly and say, you better catch me. You better catch me. It's complete trust in the catcher. If you want hope to grow, to be reignited in your life, you have to say today, Lord, I'm flying. You've got to catch me. When will he catch you? At his right time. You know the most difficult part of waiting is waiting. Just waiting. And many times we lose hope when we're tired of waiting. Today, what you need to do is you need to declare with your lips, Lord, I'm trusting in your will. Catch me. Let's go on to the third. The third strategy is believing in God's care reignites hope. Blessed is the nation who God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven, he looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for delivery, despite all of its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope, who hope in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. If we're going to have hope reignite, we've got to believe that God's caring for us. Notice these verses. He's looking out for all of mankind. There's 7.8 billion of us on this planet. His knowledge is comprehensive and personal for every one of those 7.8 billion people. He knows all the details of our lives. He considers everything they do. He knows the motivations of why they're doing it. He knows every action. He knows every thought. We're told that he knows the number of hairs on our heads. Now, obviously, for some, it's easier to count than others. But he knows right now your blood pressure, your pulse rate. He knows your driver's license. He knows what number you picked for hope. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows your fears. He knows every detail about our lives. And the most amazing thing is that he loves us. He loves us with an unfailing love. I can't comprehend that. That is just too much for me. A God that would care for me, knowing everything about me. And he loves me. God loves me. This is incredible. And when I believe that, when I believe that God loves me, and he cares for me, and he knows me, hope's reignited. It's re Do you realize that God loves you? And he knows everything about you. Why would we trust this God? Well, we would trust him because 2,000 years ago, 
Jesus entered into the valley of hopelessness and despair. His candle went out for us. One who had known no sin died in our place to rescue us because he loves us. That's why we would trust him. That's why we would say, I believe in your care. The African-American church has this great song that they sing. And they sing it frequently. And I've had it sung at funerals that I've conducted many times. It is the eye, his eye is on the sparrow. And the song goes like this. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven, heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, my constant friend is he. Oh, his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. Do you realize the hope there? For his eye is on his sparrow. And I know he watches over me. When we believe in God's care for us, it reignites hope. Let's go to our homework. Our homework is hope. And it's an acrostic here. And the first is that we need to change our habits. And I'm going to encourage you to read God's word every day. You know, Bible reading fell during COVID. It fell from 14% of us were reading God's word every day to six months into COVID, 9%. That was the largest drop in Bible reading in the history of uh, the American Bible Society. We stopped reading our Bibles during COVID. We had more time to read, but we stopped reading God's Word. Why? I think because hopelessness overtook us. It's time, church, for us to get our Bibles out every day, get a chair that you're going to sit in, have your Bible right by that chair, and before you start your day, you sit down and you let God speak to you. You say, Lord, I need to hear your voice today. That prayer that we prayed. Lord, speak to me. Sit in that chair. Say, Lord, I have some time before work today. Would you speak to me? And open God's word. And give him the opportunity to direct your life. Let's work on that habit, okay? The O is outspoken. You need to be outspoken. You need to declare two truths every day. Lord, I'm trusting in your will. Lord, I'm believing in your care. And you need to say it out loud. Why? Because there's a battle going on for your soul. And unless you declare whose side you're on, unless you declare who you're trusting, you're going to lose the battle. So let's practice this. We're going to say out loud, Lord, I'm trusting in your will. Ready? Lord, I'm trusting in your will. Say that tomorrow in that chair. And then say, Lord, I believe in your care. Lord, I believe in your care. Speak it out. There is power in those declarations. And then, we're going to go to praise. And we didn't read these verses from Psalm 
33, but I'll read them to you. Sing joyfully to the Lord. This is verse 1, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Praise the Lord with a heart. Make music to him in the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. So we're going to, the P here is for praise. We're going to praise the Lord. I'm going to give you the song for the week. This is the song. You're sitting in your chair. You got your Bibles open. You've just made the declarations. I'm trusting your will. I believe in your care. And now you're going to praise God. You're going to sing. So you might want to ask people, leave the house. <laughs> just kidding. They, they'd love to hear you sing. And this is the song I want you to sing. Oh, come, let us adore him. Sing with me. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. So simple, right? But when you start singing, hope starts growing. It starts reigniting. We're going to praise the Lord with that simple song. You can add extra verses. You can get your guitar out and sing with that too. But let's bring praise into it. And then we're going to end with expectation, verses 20 through 22. We wait in hope for the Lord, for he is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. So we're going to live with expectation. We're going to say no more, oh no, and we're going to say, oh my, what is God going to do today? No more, oh no, it's happening again. Oh my. What is God going to do today? This is the day the Lord has made. And we're going to live with that expectation. 2001. Hopelessness stalked me. And it got me. It was late spring. We were going through some difficulties in my life. I was, uh, I was the father of teenagers. Lord have mercy on me. It wasn't going well. There were problems at church. There's always problems at church. <laughs> but I wasn't handling that well. And my connection with God started to fray. And it was perfunctory, and I was just going through the motions, and there was no connection. I was experiencing failure. I interpreted that, that I was a failure. My ohnos overwhelmed me. And I broke. I broke for four months. For four months, I would go home and I would just sit on the couch and sob, crying. I was very familiar with David's tears have been with me day and night. I was broken. I was a broken man. I, there was a break that happened. I had no hope, zero. 
and I'm a pastor of a church. This is bad. But as I went through that period of time, my dear wife was with me the whole way. And she'd sit on that couch and she'd say, Scott, what are you thinking? What's going through your mind? And I'd tell her these thoughts. And she said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke that thought. And she's a Beth Moore fan. And she says, Scott, you need to wallpaper your mind with the truth, with what is right and true. And she made me make declarations and that God was, I'm trusting his will, I'm trusting in his care. For four months, I was working through this process. Slowly, I started to introduce praise. I started singing to the Lord. My hope started to grow. The declarations became more frequent. I started to grow. And I realized at some point in the journey that God was not against me, that he absolutely loved me, even with my failures. And my hope was reignited. I don't know where you are today. You couldn't, no one in this room could be as low as I was. But because I stayed connected with God's word, because I made the declarations that I'm trusting God's will, I'm believing in his care, because I praised him, and because I switched my expectations from oh no to oh my, hope was reignited. My prayer for you folks, it's time to gain a full flame with our hope. It's time to reignite that. It's time for us to burn out for the Lord. It's time for us to come out of the bunker and start investing our lives in people around us. It's time for us to reconnect with God and get back to the mission. Lord, I pray for this congregation. I pray for those that are here today that are struggling with hope. I'd ask, Lord, that you would anoint them with your spirit at this very moment. I pray today that they would realize that you are the God of the second chance and that you want to fill them with hope and joy and your peace. I pray for this church that you would reignite hope and that this church would burn for your glory, for your honor. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to use this as a lighthouse for the gospel here in Trumbull. Lord, thank you for these folks. I pray your richest blessing on them now in Jesus' name. Amen.